0: Oh, doesn't that make you feel a bit emotional? It really does for me. In the room, who's a parent? Oh, quite a few parents. A grandparent. Great grandparent, dare I ask. I think if you're a parent watching that, you will feel some sense of emotion to that because I'm a parent. Oh, I've got a lady crying over here already. It's a good start. I'm a parent of two, not children, they're young adults now, 23 and 25, and when I watch that video I'm like, where did all that time go? Where did it go? It goes so fast. I've only played that video once. Last year I played it at Elements, and it's just, just sets, I think, um, a bit of a scene of, of what we're trying to achieve in kids' ministry. I really do believe time moves extremely fast, and we have significant moments of time where we can make an impact in the life of a child. So let me say a little bit about me, because most of you will not know me at all, apart from maybe Laura sitting here, and Mark. We've known Mark for a long time, and he's finally got here, if anybody was wondering. (laughs) He's got through that traffic and that snow. Was it bad snow? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, my name is Nicola Ritchie, I have been part of Milton Keynes Christian Centre um, in Milton Keynes uh, for, for a long, long time, we moved there when I was 13 years old, I am a lot older than that now, um, and so it is very much my local church, it's really where my roots are, um, and I was always involved to some degree In kids ministry as a teenager then when my children were small i sort of really got involved and the motivation for getting involved was i wanted my children to love coming to church that was my first motivation i wanted them to want to be there um i would sit and see very disengaged children and it really broke my heart that they would be sitting and not really engaging in in anything that was happening and so really my motivation was that i wanted to make a difference um but really there was a significant moment this is a word that's really going to keep coming up a significant moment in my life when i was 32 years of age i remember it very vividly my children were six and eight at or about that age and we were in a meeting like a a leader kind of forum and we had a chap come and speak to us and he, he wanted us to really ask, answer some questions we had three options one was if you had a million pounds what would you do with it the other one was if you could meet anybody in the Bible who was it can you remember this yeah, who was it yeah and he said um, or tell us something honest about yourself so we had three options to get out clauses one that was really honest i was sitting on the front row uh, and he started at the back there's about 50 people in the room and i was sitting next to my husband and next to one of my really good friends um alison sharer so he weaved all the way through different people said different things you know people asked a million pounds most people said about who they'd like to meet in the bible and as, as he's coming through the room, I'm thinking, I don't want to be here, I don't want to be here, I don't want to be here. Then Alice and my friend said, I need to go. And was like, I've got to go pick up the kids. I'd sorted that out so I couldn't get away. So I stayed and, and he finally came in front of me and he said, Nicola, what are you going to say? And probably nobody else in this room will remember it. I remember it so vividly. Um, I said to him, I'm thirty-two years of age. I'm married. I love my husband. I have two wonderful children. But is this it? We can imagine, can't you? <laughs> Not a lot was said in that moment, and my husband's arms sort of went <laughs> Really, did you need to do this here? <laughs> He put my arm around me and the gentleman that was speaking spoke directly into my life and and he he said, I know that God's got a call. You know what you need to do, Nicola, you know what you need to do. And that's mobilized me to make a change. The change was I already was involved in kids' ministry to a degree, but I knew I needed to sort of dive in a bit deeper. But I also needed I needed to experience something broader than what I'd already experienced. So I, um, well, my husband's a bit of a fix-it man. He was like, what can we do? Where can we send you? You know, we'll, we'll as a as family, we'll sort this out. And I went on a trip to the States, to uh, California, which was really nice, actually. Um, but I'd never traveled alone. Well, actually, I took a friend with me, but none of us, we, we didn't know what we were doing. And I went to a children's conference there, that blue, my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. And um, came back really inspired. Because at that point, Mr. Griffiths was the children's pastor. Mm -hmm. And so I was very, very inspired to develop discipleship for our children. That was really what God had planted in my heart. And so I came back and I said to Mark, I've got this idea and he's like off you go i went to mark Show, i've got this idea yeah off you go and they just released me to form discipleship um for our children at that, that at that time so i needed to find 10 children that's really what i wanted 10 children two of them were mine two of them were my best friends and we gathered like some more and we started at that point what we called breakout and it was amazing you know god really um opened my heart to see how we could grow children you know get their faith down deep in them Um, and we started that journey and then god just had other surprises in store so you know it came to a point where mark left and he moved on and then there was a position and i was asked if i wanted to do it and i went not really (laughs) Um, no this really scares me i don't feel equipped I don't feel I have the expertise. I don't feel I have the heart, but I don't have very much else. And, and, but again, God nudged me. He gave me scripture after scripture, but one in Colossians where it talks about everything you do, you work for God. You know, do it unto the Lord and not unto men. I felt like I needed to please people rather than pleasing him. And so that really propelled me to take those small steps of faith, um, and so I started to work one day a week, and I I was a hairdresser, so I was self-employed. I could like mix things up, and so I started that journey, and so it's been an amazing journey. Uh, and when I look at where where we've come, and also what's happened in me, mm. um, I know that you guys are sitting here because. At some point in your life, you've been compelled to be involved in the life of a child or children. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. And so I know that God's not finished with you, and he certainly isn't finished with me. And the doors keep moving and opening, and and, and I get a bit scared, and I get a little bit, you know, what does this look like for me? But, you know, what I suppose I'm saying to you is you just got to trust him. And do your work because you want, ultimately I want to stand in front of my Lord and Saviour and he say, well done, Nicola, my good and faithful servant. You did well. You steward well what you gave me. So whatever God's given in your hand, steward it well. So my title today, all of that gives you background because it's about significant relationships. I am extremely passionate about relationships with children. I think they are fundamental to them seeing Jesus in us. And so that's what I'm going to walk you through today. Um, James Corner, uh, or Comer, he's a professor, he said, no significant learning can can occur without significant relationships. I completely believe that. We've got to build those into our ministries, into our kids' work. Whatever it looks like, whether it's Sunday, whether it's Wednesday, whether it's Friday, whatever it is, we've got to build them in. And so today I want to talk about the why is that important and how, how some simple practical steps. I want you to have some practical, I can maybe go home and do something with this. That makes sense? Yes. Now, before I carry on, because no good kids' worker would set a challenge um, you know so like i'm going to imagine your children here i want you to sit nice and still i want you to not disturb the person at the side of you yeah and, and if i'm going to be keeping my eyes open to give out a free book now the free book i'm going to give out today is stop recruiting and start retaining volunteers it's an excellent book who would like this book Okay, will you, so just pay attention then. So I'm gonna keep you, and, and I'm just gonna randomly pick somebody out. You can have that book, take it home. It's such a practical book, it's awesome. And, yes, that's fine. So, I wanna walk us through the why. Now, last year I stumbled across a, um, an article from the, the Evangelical Alliance called, It Takes a Whole Church to Raise a Child. So I'm going to read a a few things from it because I think they're important for us to, to note. And as much as I'm talking about significant relationships we can build with children, I know primarily parents play a vital role in this. And I'll touch on that in a little bit as well. But it says, what is particularly alarming is the rate at which we are losing those who grow up in the church but whose faith does not transition into adulthood. According to Christian research, the church in the UK will have lost an estimated 1.1 million children between 1990 and 2020. That's not long away, is it? No. Well, 2018 now, Comes. They also predict that in the year 2020, 183,700 children aged under 15 will attend church compared to 375,300 in 2010. Unless we do something about it now. So most of our religious beliefs, we know this, are formed before we get to the age of uh, 18, 13. But it says, if there isn't a firm foundation in the Bible and the Christian life before that, children are more susceptible to succumbing to peer pressure, to doubting the faith And seeing church life as alien to the real world. It also goes on in the article to talk about actually most churches would say this is important to us, this is really important to us, but then it goes on to say despite this less than a third said they know anything about children's ministry within their own church. So it's important to us but we really don't know anything about it. We don't even know where the kids are, Whether they're kind of here, or they're not here, or we don't know what's going on. So that in itself tells us something. So we have to do something, and you guys are here, and you are trying to do something. That's why you're here. Um, I believe relationships certainly influence how our children see God, and how our children see the Bible, Because they do certainly see Jesus to us. Research, has anybody ever read Sticky Faith? The book Sticky Faith, yeah. So really, if you've not read it, try and get it. It's a great book. But they suggest a child needs five other non-parental voices in their life to influence them. So as much as I absolutely believe parents are the primary voice in the life of a child, the primary influence. Actually, who remembers saying it takes a village to raise a child? I really believe that is true of our churches. Children need other influences, other voices that can speak to them through the ages and phases of their life, because even that changes. A child at the age of three requires something very different from a child at the age of 11. And so we have to adapt also how we communicate. And that's a whole nother conversation. But we do, we have to recognize that they need it. I'm studying at the moment, because I'm stupid. (laughs) I'm I'm doing an open university course. I'm on my fifth year, it's like taking forever. And I'm doing uh, one of my other roles in our church is I oversee the, the leadership of our day nursery um, so I thought what would be a great idea is I would learn as much about early childhood as possible and it covers really up to the age of 12 sometimes the modules go up to 18 so it's been really beneficial um, so I've got one more year after this year and then I'm done oh, praise the Lord. but I have learned an awful lot I have to say and one of the things I've learned over the last two years is there's a, um, a theory called the Bronfenna's Ecological Theory. Wow. Exactly, and it talks about how the child sits in the center of all these systems, all these circles, and actually the child is influenced by all these different circles. Who, who's heard this before? Yeah, you can see a of like, yes. This makes make me feel, now I feel a little bit clever. Um, So they call them the complex layers of influence or the web of relationships. And we sit right here. We sit in the MEO system. And what that means is we have a voice and we have influence. See, children are influenced by media, They're influenced by schools, they're influenced by their teachers, anybody that's got a voice in their lives. And and children are, are influenced by society. They really are. And so it's really important that we understand that Yeah, there's this web of relationships around them, but we have a voice too. We have an important role to play in how children see God, see Jesus, see the Bible, Let me read you from um, Hebrews 13, 7. A couple of years, this verse came to me and it knocked me for six. And, And it says, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. And, and it's like, I must have read that so many, you know, God does that, doesn't he? You read scripture and it, 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 but sometimes you read it and you go, whoa, that in that context now means something so much more. And what it did is it took me on memory lane, on a journey. I want you to go on a little journey with me and maybe you can think of somebody in your life who has influenced you in your spiritual journey. Now, some of you I know came to faith later enough, but who came to faith as a child? Awesome, quite a lot of people. Now, I want to tell you a very quick story about somebody, there was two people, but one very specifically, who made a massive impact in my life and we called him Uncle Sid. Here's a picture of Uncle Sid. Now, Uncle Sid is no longer with us. Um, but he was an incredible man in my life. But do you know, I didn't realise it until I started to think about all the things that he did for me mm. and for my family. Now, when I talk about my family, I'm talking about my brother and my sister when we were growing up. We grew up in Mansfield. We are originally northern kids. Um, and he was our... Um, children's superintendent. You know, that's what they were called back in the day. We would go to Sunday school in the afternoon, breaking a bread in the morning, uh, Sunday school in the afternoon, um, gospel service in the evening. My mum and dad did the youth, and so we went to the youth meeting, and we just hung around with all these people. Sunday was a massively long day. But Uncle Sid was the superintendent, and so he, he, he led our Sunday school. But more than that, Every Sunday afternoon, when we finished Sunday school, we would go to Uncle Sid and Auntie Bye's house for a cup of tea. Really, very rarely was there a Sunday that didn't go by. And we would go there, and they lived a very modest life and he uh, auntie vine would make a cup of tea and she always used sterilized milk <laughs> <laughs> always and arrowroot <Arab> biscuits It was <laughs> like yeah I don't you're this. I and, um, and, and, and but the most important thing that i remember now about uncle sid was he would let me sit or two things he was very proud about his hair he would let me mess his hair up which he'd never let anybody else But the other thing was he would sit with me on this chair and he would help me memorize scripture particularly the first scripture that i ever memorized was john 14 let not your heart be troubled you believe in god believe also in me if my father's house had many mansions anyway i would memorize it with him and he would spend time with me week after week he didn't really do it with my brother or sister, although she was five years, but for me, he, he definitely invested. And my mum and dad were there, we were all in that room. And the other thing I remember about him was um, when we left, he'd say, go on then. And in their fridge, they had one of those really old-fashioned fridge, at the bottom where there used to be all the veg, it was full of sweets, full of <laughs> chocolate. And he would go, go on then. And you'd go in and you'd go and help yourself to the chocolate and off you go. That's why I like my chocolate really cold in the fridge, I'm sure about it. But he massively influenced my life. And the other man in our church was a man called Wilfred Hibbert. I didn't know him very well, but visually, I saw him every week. He was a very tall man. And he was going blind. And his Bible, what I remember, his Bible was in pieces, really. He used to bind it. And he, uh, he would memorise lots and lots of scripture because he knew he was gonna lose his sight. I vividly remember it. These two men absolutely shaped the way that I thought about God, thought about what the Bible meant. Like if somebody was gonna invest all that time into the Bible, why, why would you do that? And it made an impact on my life as a very small child mm. you see kids don't care how many sermons you preach to them the only sermon they'll hear is how you live your life in front of them how cool is that that is absolutely true isn't it yeah. you know we want to teach our children absolutely we do but it is more than that and when we talk about the how we're going to talk about some some things that we can practically do that will lead us to hopefully being those examples so that's the why the why i think is really clear we have to do something and we have to do it because we have a voice we have influence but the how how do we do it well we have quite a challenge as kids leaders kids workers i've got a little video to show you could you do Got this little video that really just demonstrates again that time. You know, slow down, you know, time keeps going. Or we'll check this video out.
1: There are 52 weeks in a year. That means that there are 52 weekends that a person could possibly come to church. 52 weeks that a child could come to experience children's ministry at your church. But we know that with vacations, sickness, travel for sports, perfect attendance record at church is not particularly realistic. According to research by Reggie Joyner, a child in a family that normally attends church is attending approximately 40 weekends a year. 40 hours. And the children's ministry has to lead and foster the spiritual direction of your child. 40 hours a year. That's it. However, a parent or legal guardian in that same child has approximately 3,000 hours with which to teach, communicate, and lead. Not 40 three thousand so who should be in charge of our children's spiritual formation Deuteronomy 6 says it this way love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength these commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts impress them on your children talk about them when you sit home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses, and on your gates. Your children's ministry has 40 hours. You have 3,000. 3,000 hours to lead and foster the spiritual direction of your child. So is it possible that what happens at home is more important than what happens at church?
0: There's our challenge, there's our challenge. Going back to parents absolutely have more influence over their children, but we certainly do. Now, I only show you that video because in my office, well, in in our office space, I've got marbles everywhere. Marbles or something that, I'm losing my marbles. But I didn't think I could carry my 3,000 marbles all the way on the train here this morning. But you see, but I did bring my 40. Now, in reality, I don't believe we have 40. It depends how you set your kids' ministry up. So for us, we have two two events, I suppose, um, where we pull children together. One is on a Wednesday night where we have our discipleship program that goes on, and so that is like an hour. And 15 minutes, um, so that's once a week. But that's like from September all the way till June. Then we have Sunday mornings. Then we have multiple services. We run three services, and a family could choose to come to e- either one. But again, we have them for an hour and 10 minutes. And we know that a child doesn't come to church or to a club every single week. So I think the reality is, I mean, if you're going on 40, you're doing good. But the, the challenge is that we probably have even less. So what we do with our time, when we know what we have left, I think is more meaningful. I really do. Um, on my desk, I have 52 marbles that represent a week, every week. What am I going to do this week? that's going to make a difference? When I see that going down, what, what does that do? Does that create a sense of urgency in me? Does it? I think it does. Sometimes visualizing things are really good and I would encourage you that if you lead something or if you are, if you're influencing children, like from now till summer, let's say, how many weeks do you have left? Think about it. What am I going to do with those weeks? What am I going to do with those hours? That actually are going to point them towards God, their saviour. So, let me move across. I've got a massive fonts because my eyes are really burnt now. Sorry. So building significant relations in the life of a child over time. It is over time. We can't just think we're going to have our children in our ministry for even a year and think we're done. And that might mean that they transition. So when I think about kids ministry, I always have to clarify this. I think even beyond once they get to year six, and I'm 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 investing into them until they're out the door at 18. You know, because what I want is, you know, we really encourage our young people to come and serve and be a part. They say that actually young people our teenagers are saying don't just tell me I'm significant give me something significant to do that makes the difference and so you know don't just think of an age again don't just think of a stage think about the part that you play in that but actually it's a seed like Nick was saying a seed that's planted that will grow so how do we cultivate relationships at our church, that's what I'm going to try and share, and maybe there's some things then that you can put into practice. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're doing it, and you're like Nicola, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all over this, and that's great. So let me encourage you in that. So one of we've got four values in Discovery Kids, and we have these value, values because then parents know what we're about, but also it mobilises our volunteers. So we have fun. Gotta have fun. Yes. I mean, kids don't want to come to church, really. I mean, let's face it, you've got to have fun. Everybody wants fun, don't we? Yeah. Um, And then we have safety. That's really important. Parents want to know that we're safe. We're safe. Um, You're providing a safe space. Um, We have age-appropriateness. And that means what we're going to teach is in in an age-appropriate language. It's also, you know, so we're going to unpack the Bible that is meaningful for whatever that age is. So we take children from two years old in Discovery Kids. But how we teach the two year old is so very different to the year six. And then we have um, relationships. And relationships is a bit of a threefold thing. We want our children to build relationships with their peers. And that's why we have an element where the children come in and just they're coming into an age-appropriate environment. We belong here. So they're going to play and they're going to engage. So they're going to build those relationships, which are really key for them. They're going to, we're going to point them to the relationship that will completely change them from the inside out, Jesus. You know, His name is going to be made known. He's going to be made great. He's going to be clear. But also, we want to engage them in relationships with their leaders or their leader, however that looks. So like I said before, we have Wednesday night, so we have the same leader on the same table with the same children, and they go through at least a four-year process. Yeah, it's a seven-year curriculum, but we do junior and senior, so we will try to engage these children as they grow and develop their leaders moving with them. On Sunday, we have very much a large group experience, but then we have small groups. And as much as we, we're we're still developing this, but as much as we can, we wanna have the year groups, we break them down year one, year two, year three, so they're in the same year group with as much as possible that same leader because that's really important. Again, so that you can carry on conversations. Reggie Joyner said this, we want children to have a really big faith an authentic faith, and the only way you can cultivate authentic faith is through leading small, and I do believe that. So think about your setting now. Now you you may be at an advantage. I'm telling you, if you if you have a, a small bundle of children, you 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 you're in the best position. To be building significant relationships, but if your if your church size is beyond ten, then you really need to start thinking about breaking them down a little bit because meaningful conversations can't happen in a bigger group. Yeah. They can happen, but they're a little bit chaotic. Let's face it. You know when you look, la- they really are because everybody wants to have a say. So. So we want to build, I think it's gone up there every again, this is a great quote from Rita. Not that I know Rita at all, this is life, we're like this, no we don't. <laughs> every child deserves a champion, an adult who will never give up on them, who understands the power of connection and insists they become the best they can possibly be. Don't you want to be that in the life of a child? Yeah, I do. I do. I want somebody, maybe in the future, to go, remember those leaders that taught you? I want them to say, you know, they taught me, not because I want any record, but I want to know that my life has made an impact. <coughs> you know, I may never see the fruit of that. Uncle Sid never saw the fruit of what I did in my life. He didn't. But he made, when we get to eternity, we're gonna have a party. I'm going to say, Uncle Stitch. you made such a difference in my life and you never knew it. I never knew it. I do now. So thank you. God places amazing people around our lives to make a significant impact. So here's a few practical steps that you can make to help a child know that they're significant. You're building into them. And if you're leading your kids ministry, maybe some of these things you can take to Disseminate to your volunteers. So here they are. They're not rocket science, honestly. So, my first one is be present. Okay, you've got to show up. You've got to be there, haven't you? You've got to be there to make a difference. Um, and so, one of the really easy things we say to our volunteers is try and remember everybody's name if you can. Not everybody's, but some. Try and look. Yeah, it's like. And now, now we live in a, um, a quite, our church is quite diverse and some of our children's names are quite tricky. <laughs> they really are, they really are. And we have the benefit that we are checking for our kids and they come with a sticker, which is really good. And, but, and it's amazing because kids, when they're younger, you're like, oh Esther, it's really love to see you. And Esther's like, she knows my name. Yeah. Not the fact that you have a sticker. But even that gives you a prompt. So we try and set our volunteers up to win. Yeah. But equally, it would be great if they could know their children's name without using the sticker. Yeah. But that's an aid, isn't it, to start. So, you know, be present, be there, know their name is really important. I mean, Jesus yeah. saw the value in children, didn't he? Matthew 18, I'm going to read this. It said, at the time, <laughs> at the time the disciples came to Jesus, they asked him, then who is the most important person in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child over to him. He had the child stand among them. Jesus said, what I'm about to tell you is true. You need to change and become like little children. If you don't, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Anyone who takes the humble position of this child is the most important in the kingdom of heaven. Anyone who welcomes a little child like this is one "In, in, in my name, it welcomes me. Jesus knew... The audience of a child. He said about. It, he didn't say become childlike. He's like become like a child. And so one of the things that I think is really important for people that are working alongside children. Yeah, know their name, but know know a little bit about them. What makes them tick? You know, what are the things that you know they listen to, they watch, um, and it changes all of the time. So I've got a little game, and it's really not that difficult. But it's like guess. Guess who's beyond the slide? So, are we ready? Who's this? Oh, they're good. It's wrong. Oh, they're not good. You want the answer? Oh, Ron. Ah, who got Ron? Nobody got Ron. <laughs> I'm going to trust the lady. I'm not going to throw the packet of. This might knock somebody out. Actually, I'll give it to you at the end. Okay, next one. Mm. It's
1: not Miss Piggy.
0: Who did you say? I wouldn't have known this. I've picked a really horrible one for you as well. Yeah. You want it? Yeah. Someone said it. Who said it? Ah, well done. Let's show the answer. Bridget from the Trolls. Bridget from the Trolls. Okay, this is a really easy one. Come on, last one. Some of our older kids would know this. It's human. Ah, oh, now, did you shout out Judy that put in your hand? What reward that? You've got to kind of get into the headspace of a child. If you're going to serve alongside, if you're going to influence them. No, you don't need to know everything. You really don't. But know something. So there's some kind of relational thing going on there. And, and yesterday, I was driving to Oxford and I said to Abby, can you Google what's the most favourite suite for a child? So we find that really difficult. But we did get this top 40 so I'm going to tell you that the 40 was a blackjack. Who remembers blackjack? Oh, no. Yeah. Well, that was 40. No. Now I'm going to do a random guess. Who do you think? What's number one sweet? What's the number one sweet in the UK? Chocolate now I would have said caribos. They were there, but they were not the top one. No. Nope. No. Nope. No. We all need to do some research, people. (laughs) I'll tell you. No. Foam bananas. No way. Oh, yes way. Yes way. Foam bananas. I would have never known. So... <laughs> so make some time to understand your audience, who you're working alongside, who you're trying to influence. Could you imagine if you go in and go, did you see that last episode of The Trolls? Did so you see Bridget and they're like, oh, I didn't even know you watched watch that. Yeah, I do. I watch every week. You know? So be present. The next thing I think is really important for us to build significant relationships is show up predictably. All this means is, <laughs> who's in charge of rotors? Um, oh, like, oh, that person's called again. Um, if, if you're, so our volunteers, we say, if you've made a commitment to come serve, be there. Yeah. Because what that means, it's not a commitment to us that you're giving. It's the commitment that you're giving to your children that you connect with. What this does is it builds trust. Would you agree? I know I'm going to see Nicola tonight. She's always there. Or I know I'm going to see Laura this evening because she's always there. Uh, you know, wherever that room is that you serve, show up predictably. You see, consistency is really important for children. It's really important for children as they're very small. So, how we do our rotor in our preschool area is we, we really try and keep it quite tight so that those familiar faces are always present, particularly our two-year-old room. You know, a two-year-old coming into a room that they don't know anybody, they are not staying. Whereas if they come in and they see Dr. Teo, who's amazing, they're, they're like high-fiving and they're, they're really relaxed, they're ready, they have this sense of belonging, they feel value because someone's there that they know. So we say show up predictably. This shows that children that, you know, they can trust us. we're going to be there. Now, that doesn't mean things change, you know. There's always things when we're on holiday and stuff like that. That's different. But if you've made that commitment, and we really say to our Wednesday night volunteers who commit to journey through discipleship with our kids, you know, make that commitment to be there every Wednesday. The other thing we ask our guys to do, and don't laugh at this, but show up mentally. Mm -hmm. In other words... Come and be fully present and fully engaged for the next hour and 10 minutes. Whatever it is, put your phone away. You know, don't go and... And it's a challenge. You know, you've not seen... I've not seen Laura all week. I just want to catch up with her. But I'm running late. I've only just arrived. All the children are coming in. And now I'm just having this one-to-one. You know, what's your week been like? All these children have come... No. No, if you've made a commitment to come and build significant relation with with children for these next hour, next two hours, you are going to, we want you to be fully engaged, fully present and mentally in that space of I'm here to be with you, to serve you and to help you grow. (coughs) And so that's what we ask our guys to do. The other thing we do is we say show up randomly. Now what that means is we have, um, particularly on a Wednesday, we know when kids are gonna have their birthdays. So we give our volunteers with the dates of birth so they can get a birthday card, just a birthday card, you know, ready. So they can give it to them on the, on the night of the birthday or they give it to us and we post it for them. So they, that child gets that from them. And, and actually, the other thing that we do, which I think is really cute, is we ask volunteers if they want to send a postcard to a child that like maybe in a group something's happened that night, a great conversation, they prayed for the first time, I don't know, whatever it is, and we want to make a mark on that particular thing. We say, write them a card, give it to us, we'll post it for you. We make it easy. Can you imagine a child getting a card, a and it says Discovery Kids, but actually it's going to be from Laura. It's going to be from Nicola, it's going to be from Val it's going to be from Josh you know that actually thank you for sharing that or thank you for praying or you know one of the beautiful things that we sometimes see happen on Wednesday nights well other times is when a child makes that decision to follow Jesus, you know that's amazing we want to celebrate that don't we so show up randomly I won't, I'll move on because I'm running deep I was like I'm not going to have enough time and look at me now Anyway, the next thing we do is we create a safe place. So for a child to feel that they can um, grow and develop in a space, they need to feel that it's a safe space. And our volunteers play a part in creating that space. And there's a few things that we want them to demonstrate. We want them to demonstrate acceptance. We want them to demonstrate confidentiality. And we want them to demonstrate honesty. Now, children don't demonstrate that all the time, do they? So they need an example of that. And so what we say, particularly on a Wednesday night, when they're starting a year, we say, right, okay, you lead them in setting their own ground rules as a table or a group. you know. And so through collaboration, through the leader, the volunteer saying, right, this, this, this next year, this is what we've agreed it could be. It could be anything. It could be we don't want to talk over the top of one another. Nothing's new under the sun. Children do the same thing year after year after year. Yeah. So you know, if you want to say something, you know, we're going to do a certain signal or your know, hand up or I don't know. It could be whatever. So we do these things called table prizes, don't we? And and sometimes the way that that's outworked looks different per table. So so we get the leader to really embrace those three things so that they can be the example the other thing we do on a sunday which would show acceptance is we have at the beginning of every small group time something called a getting to know each other question and all that does it's a random question it could be we just had christmas and tell everybody what you had for christmas you know this year and they go around and they say and there's no biblical concept in there all that's doing is allowing every voice of a child to be heard. Because we know, don't we? In a group of children, you've got the loud, the leery, the ones that are like, I'm gonna sit on you in a minute, um, to the ones that wouldn't let them say nothing. Because actually they're very shy and very timid, so that question allowed everybody to be heard and everybody to be accepted. So I'm gonna move on quickly, I'm not gonna go through all those points because I think I'm gonna run out of time. One of the things that we do say is respect the process too. So particularly when we're asking questions in small group time on Sunday or Wednesday, um, there could be some questions that children ask that you could go, what a silly question. Um, So we don't want children to feel that, we want them to feel secure. And we also want you, as a volunteer, to know that they're going on a process. So we've got to accept that process and there will be learning opportunities as we go along. So I'll give you an example. Years ago, one little girl who's now a teenager, or actually probably 18 now, said to me, Nicola, if God is love and God loves everybody, does he love the devil? wasn't expecting that question so and you do get questions like that and then i had another little boy go baptism nicola is like um it's like you're going through a black hole and when you go through the black hole you don't know what's going to be on the other side and i was like Okay. and so you've got the opportunity to do something with that haven't you you've got the opportunity to be like don't be silly that's not what it said in the Bible It says this in the Bible um, or you can black the first question like um and make it up and so what I say to our volunteers if you don't know what to say if you have got no biblical foundation also for what to say just say to the children I don't really know quite I'm gonna to have to go and research that myself but I'm gonna come back to you and I'm gonna give you my answer and then you can see what you think that's a process isn't it we don't want to tell people children what to believe as in they've got to choose to believe that but we point them to Jesus in our conversations and in our interactions and so respect the process and that takes a little bit of a way. Sometimes volunteers are like, I don't know enough about the Bible to do this. Well, none of us do, really. Come on, we're all on a journey. We're all learning. So let's take the pressure off. <coughs> Respect the journey. If you don't know, ask somebody else. Somebody surely will. And then let's give children truth. Um, I've got a great quote here that says, the better you know a child, the better you can influence them with truth, which is absolutely <coughs> true. I'm going to do one last point, which is make it personal. This is really important that we speak to our people that are interacting and building relationships with our children. Inspire them by your faith. Going back to my first point. Um, You see, kids need to see Jesus. We're missing that one because I haven't got time. Yep, there you go. Um, Kids need to see Jesus in you. You cannot pour out what you do not possess. So we have to continually be pouring into ourselves as followers of Jesus to know more about him, more about his love for us, so that we can pour out to the children in our church. You know, the Deuteronomy 6, again, (coughs) it's love God with all your heart, soul and mind, isn't it? And love your neighbour as yourself simply put love god love others and i fundamentally believe when children love god but understand god's love them how god sees them it defines how they see themselves and therefore they are enabled to love others easier not easy easier because we all know loving others actually is the tricky part, isn't it, of the great commandment. Lo- loving God, yeah, I can do that. Oh, hang on a minute. I'm quite like you. You, you. you don't really, you know, you don't think like I think. So we need to be those great examples of faith. Um, Reggie Joyner said, you are not just called to teach kids the Bible. You are called to lead them into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's fundamentally it, isn't it? You know, the way we get there, we can have some methods around that. But essentially, the message of Jesus never changes. The methods of how we deliver can be different. All our children will look different. All our ministries will look different. And that's okay. I don't want you to be like Milton Keynes Christian Centre. I don't want you to be like Jews' churches and, and they're, what they do. You need to be an expression of your local body, but ultimately, we can all be an example of faith to the kids in our ministries, and we can build significant relationships that will impact how they see God, how they see the Bible, how they see the importance of Jesus in their life, making a way for them to know God the Father, you know, so they can love God they can love others so with that I am finished all I want to say is this we've got loads of things happening at Elements and I've got a special offer for you just for you today Um, and we're going to be talking about partnering with parents uh, when we're in Elements in, in the 9th of June if you come we empower our guys to kind of just love on you guys. Um, I'm very proud of our church, the way that we do that. Um, and we've got Matt Summerfield coming from Urban Saints to do a keynote and a breakout session. We've got Mark Arnold, who's going to be talking about inclusion. Um, so on, on your thing was a card with a website. But if you book between now and next Saturday, we and you put in a code that says DK discount, you're gonna have to write that down, DK discount, you will get it for 10 pounds. Wow. That's what my team's getting it for. And if you are above 60 or under 18, a concession is five pounds. So if you wanna use that, do it. Um, And come and learn along with us. Um, We certainly don't know everything, um, but what we do know is that we love God
1: and we want to make his name great. Amen. 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 Amen.